Welcome to the Purpose and Principles podcast. I'm Max Brown, and of course, and today I'm, I'm, as always, excited about my guest today. His name's Billy Taylor, former executive at Goodyear Tire. Billy and I met many, many years ago, and uh, he took me on tours of his plant in Fayetteville. Uh, great examples that I learned from your leadership style. Of course, Billy, you went on and 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 went on to do many other things within the business, and you've since come out of the business, and now you're the owner at LinkedXL. Uh, talking about how companies can create better environments for continuous improvement. Is that fair to say? That is that is correct. That well, is correct. Welcome uh, to the show, my friend. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to to be on your show. Well, I'm grateful. And, you know, I'm grateful for the way you lead. And so when I thought about starting this podcast again, or, you know, starting a new podcast, if you will, but but really around continuous improvement, leadership, how to create better excellence in life, I thought about you and the way you lead. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, do you remember when we were in Fayetteville? Uh, we were walking the, the, the plant that day. I, I remember, if, if, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, but 3,000 employees at that plant, you had already done a huge turnaround previously, and now you were at this new plant, a lot of people with a lot of, a lot of feelings there um, with the unionized plant, but you really changed the way people felt because of the way you treated them. And I never forget that we were at lunch together and you said, Max, I love it if people call, would call me Mr. Taylor, but I won't let them because I, if, I, if I do that, I forget who I serve. My name is Billy and people call me Billy on the floor. That is correct. That is. And, you know, and it was that personal value system of, of equality yeah. uh, when working with people. Uh, and, and that's a start of shaping culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in, in, in organizations, it, it's something my mother would always say, culture controls strategy. Mm. And, and at that point, uh, our, greatest, our greatest gain is our value. And, and that's why we value our value. If we're valued by companies, we're valued by leaders. And, and when leaders go out into organizations and they interact and engage associates, Associates really wants want to know if you value them. Yeah. And if I started to put myself on a pedestal, then immediately I start to separate separate myself from the organization. And and you and I've both seen examples of that from previous leaders in our own lives where you know they did separate themselves, but you were very mindful of this and it wasn't just words for you. Correct. Correct. It, it's what you do determines what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I have talked about it, and a lot of the, the even the operating systems uh, that I helped architect or I engaged or implemented, um, it started with my key performance action, not my key performance indicator. Right. And, and, and when you go into shaping cultures, what you do will actually shape what you get. Yes. And of course, you know my colleague and friend Jake Raymer, and yes. the three of us have worked in different capacities with one another on different events. But it is interesting, right? We come from this background of if you want a different outcome, we really need to focus on the behavior and not just the KPI. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, behaviors are, are important, uh, they're critical. Uh, when you start to talk about ownership, uh, when people own, uh, the process, uh, they own uh, the indicators, they own the environment. Uh, that's when when behavior becomes uh, very, very instrumental in your day-to-day operations. Mm-hmm. And 
and I know, again, people talk about it, but can you just share an example or two of where you demonstrated that? Like, how did you let people know they felt valued? Because a lot of people on a floor, particularly in a big factory, as you were at the time, um, and you've been in a lot of those factories, you know, a lot of those people are long-tenured employees, 20, 30 years even, and then they get a new leader who they know is going to be there for two to three years, and they're like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see how long you last, pal, you know? Yes. <laughs> and and they, yes. they get they get cynical, but it's because they've they've seen a lot of people come and go, and they don't feel anything different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it starts with inclusion. When, when, when I know personally, when I went into an organization, I uh, started with clarity of purpose. Mm-hmm. clarity of what we're trying to achieve. And after we achieve that clarity, it was critical that we moved to now let's do this with the team, mm-hmm. not to the team. Oh, big time. And so when we walked in with that approach, even when we did visual management boards, uh, Kaizen or continuous improvement events, uh, with that, at that point, we get the people's input. Yeah. Because often people go in into transformations And they believe they have the technical right to change. Mm -hmm. We gave you equipment. We hired you. We gave you a standard work instruction. But we never focus on the cultural right to change. Hmm. That's the respect of uh, morals, uh, values, ethics, uh, your uniqueness, uh, fostering innovation. And I think when you're going on a journey of change or transformation, it's just important to gain the cultural right to change as it is to uh, gain the technical right to change. Oh, I love that. And I love that you mentioned it. It starts with a clarity of purpose. Uh, and so how do you communicate that clarity of purpose, uh, for leaders who are listening today and say, gosh, I mean, I, we have a purpose we've declared it. It's in, you know, 3d color all over the posters on the walls, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's in people's hearts and minds yet. Right. And, 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 and absence, people always I hear the word strategy deployment and, and often strategy deployment is a secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you cannot manage a secret. You've heard that in many books. Mm-hmm. However, when 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 I, I and I'll start with the the, the, the X matrix and, and, and often that stalls out at a certain level. We, we, we got together as a leadership team. We built this X matrix. We put it on our walls. It went into our laptops. But it never makes it to the shop floor mm-hmm. where work happens. And so what we've done is we build what's called purpose maps. Mm-hmm. And those purpose maps is now we're face-to-face with these teams that are closest to the source as well. And we identify what's actually our purpose. Why are we here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we move into those things to call objectives. How do we achieve that purpose? Mm-hmm. And when, 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 when people are allowed to contribute to the building of the strategy and how we actually execute the strategy. Mm-hmm. And now the inclusiveness and the value proposition starts to surface. Mm-hmm. And now it becomes the enterprise's plan versus the leader's plan. Yeah, big time difference, right? Big time difference. Now, when you communicate that purpose with folks, let's paint a picture for those who are listening. You walk on a shop floor, and what would they expect to see? So whether they're in any type of factory, whatever, but what visually would they see when they come up to a a board and you say there's a purpose on it? Is that up at the top and you declare it there and then you show their actions and everything below it? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so you go for your purpose. uh, Actually, your purpose map is what we call it, or your strategy on a page, your SOAP. And then you shift down to now, what are the actions we have to take? Mm -hmm. And so often 
there is this, this strategic roadmap or uh, the strategy, but what are the steps we have to do and are those visible? Yeah. And so, and, and, and processes that I've been involved in, we actually trend the KPAs just as well as we do the KPIs. Mm-hmm. And so we know some of the things we're not doing, but the people lures to the source, closest to the source, are the ones helping us determine what are the KPAs. Again, they're included. Yeah. And they're and, not being told what to do. Yeah, and that's the coolest thing, right? That the people closest to the work are doing that work and determining what those KPAs are. Absolutely. Key performance actions, right? For those who right. who are hearing it for the first time. But what is this action? Do you prioritize your actions so that there's not too many? Because I see a lot of consultants out there. Um, well, you and I both have, right? Where there's a lot of paperwork out there. Lots There's Excel sheets within Excel sheets, and people don't even know what to prioritize. Right. So what, what we do is move from a purpose map onto a performance map. Mm-hmm. And now they're connected. My mm-hmm. purpose is now connected to my performance map. Mm-hmm. Now, what's embodied in the performance map are the KPAs that are going to lead to the KPI. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, if it was safety, and I'm just going to do some high-level KPAs, mm-hmm. the KPA says is, okay, I audited my area. Am I compliant or not? Mm-hmm. If I'm not compliant, the next thing is I've tracked my compliances. Did I do the things necessary to correct those things that I was non-compliant on? Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, if at my team huddle, I have standard work that says, a KPA is I must do these things at the start of every shift to assure that you're in the safest position possible. Mm-hmm. And now I'm tracking all of these things. And if I get all of these three things right, I have the highest probability to have a safe work environment as well as be safe. Yeah, exactly. And now instead of a leader going out and telling everyone, hey, you need to do a safety walk. Um, they know what their performance standard is for the day with these three things they need to do around safety. Absolutely. And when you walk up to the visual board, where does it show on mm-hmm. your visual management board that they did those safety walks and they have to turn that red or green? Yeah. And so those things are outlined that says we're actually tracking our KPAs as well as our KPIs. So, Billy, what about, you know, we, we, we trend a couple of things for a while, and let's say that you have a KPA that folks have decided on, but as a leader, you feel like there's a more effective action that they could take, and they, they haven't addressed it or they haven't made that one a priority. How could you coach them to consider that as maybe a way to change or elevate some of the actions that they've decided on? Mm-hmm. So then, again, going back to the team, mm-hmm. And, 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 and right, the value proposition, the, the purpose, why are we doing it? Why do you feel this is better? Yeah. And then when I engage the team, the team actually comes back and says, I, I like that. Can we update our team huddle and our mm-hmm. KPAs and track this for a while and see if it's making a difference? And that's why it's important to start even to have trends on your daily management board. Yeah. So now that I changed something, did that actually help or not? Exactly. And be willing to experiment, right? That's right. Be willing to experiment. And in that process, uh, I learned this from another leader uh, that says, celebrate the red. Mm -hmm. Recognize the green, but celebrate the red. So, and and, and people sometimes take that out of, take that out of context. Mm -hmm. Celebrating the red, it says, now I know. And the fact that I know I can do something about it. 
Yeah. If I don't know, it's like hiding the dead fish. And at some point, when people feel that it's punitive, they will not share. And then thus, until something comes back to bite you or something starts to stink up the place. That's exactly right. And and how many times have you and I been in a place where we've seen things like that? And it's not because people are trying to be malicious, but because they're afraid of reporting when things aren't going well. And it's just yes. easier to sandbag the metrics. And so that everything looks green on a board, I pass you know, the executive walk, and I can just focus on what I'm doing. That's right. But we're not improving. That, no, you're not improving at all. Mm-mm. At all. And, 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 and in the context now, when you start to look at your, 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 your key performance actions, now you're starting to form a deliberate practice. Yeah. You're breaking down your daily operating system in small bites. And therefore, now you're able to see where you can improve. Uh, a standard work sometimes is just like practice. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, if you just practice just to be practicing, then you're going to reach a plateau. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like tying your shoes, right? You don't even think about it anymore. Deliberate practice says, well, I need to get my shoes tied in five seconds or less. So now I'm breaking that every step of tying my shoes down and I'm evaluating it for continuous improvement. Right. And so deliberate practice is just as important uh, when you're actually shaping culture because again, it, it, it connects to their purpose on why you're doing it. Yeah. Let's let's go back to that for just a minute. I, I love that we you know we got really into operations here for a minute on here's some day-to-day ways we can create continuous improvement that doesn't rely on a you know a, a mere event or a lean team to come in in order for the improvement to occur. This is just continuous improvement that's happening over time. But in order for that to happen, you you really created some mind shift changes by giving people permission, like you said earlier, around the culture, and that's because they trusted you. Could you just uh, maybe share an example or two of how you communicated that, that they could be part of the change? Because I remember you had, I mean, you had interns doing research and financial analytics that that were incredible. You, 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 I mean, you had, you had people hugging you on the plant floor thanking you for changing the work environment and upgrading the work environment. And it was because of some of the things you did that people believed in you. You had credibility because you stood up and said, we're going to treat people well. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and as a leader, I think ownership is key at every level. Mm -hmm. And I believe in the absence of ownership comes blame. Mm -hmm. And so as a leader, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Mm-hmm. And and as I was going out, I had to Billy Taylor. It started with the two-foot rule. If you got within two feet of me, I said, hello. I made it a point. We looked eye to eye to look out and extend my hand, say hello. Uh, one, to, to start to establish a relationship with you. Two, uh, I, I think it was one of the janitors when you were on a tour, and we, we walked by a bathroom at yep. that point. And, the bathroom wasn't in the best condition. Right. And um, I remember telling the janitor, okay, let's get the, the proper people here, the proper management, because I don't want you coming to me for everything. Mm-hmm. There is a there's a chain of leadership that we have to go through, but they have to own it as well. But in the meantime, don't clean my office. Let's make sure my office is not even touched by anyone. Yeah. 
uh, up front until we get this bathroom clean. Until yep. we get this bathroom where there's a standard operation. Yep. Now, the people at that point started to believe Billy believes in us. Right. Every intern, right? What's your brand book? Let, let's establish what's your value system. And I'm going to give you some challenge assignments. Uh, and, and, and failure is not failing, but I'm going to invest in you, all of my interns. Mm-hmm. And at that point, again, the value, they felt value. They trusted Billy because they felt Billy actually trusted them. Right. And at that point, everybody owned It's what you own. I do an exercise every time I keynote now around uh, it's an action item. And I tell the audience, we're going to do an exercise. I'm going to give you standard work and you're about to fail. Mm -hmm. And most of you are not even going to try because I told you you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. But what's going to be more important than anything we do is the fact you're going to blame me because you failed. Mm -hmm. And what I do, I hold my hands up and I said, we're going to go to the left, count to three, stretch, right, count to three, stretch. And then on the count of three, we're going to clap so that we can wake our bodies up. Well, we go to the left, three, we go to the right, three. And then uh, I get, I start to count one, two, and then I clap on two instead of three. Mm-hmm. Everybody claps with me on two. And then I ask the audience, now I clearly asked you to clap on three. Well, why did you clap on two? Mm-hmm. And what do they say? Because you did. Mm-hmm. Oh, I so there's two points here. People will follow what you do before they follow what you say. Mm-hmm. The second part of it is you weren't focused on what the standard work was. You were focused on me, the leader. And at that point, no one came up to me and said, Billy, you clearly asked us to clap on three, but you clapped on two. Are you bigger than the process? Yeah. So there's no safe environment. And so when you're leading and you're building trust, are you also living up to the standard that you're asking others to live up to? Because as a leader, my number one KPA is not the results. It's did I develop my team? If I'm developing my team to drive the systems, if I'm developing my, my team to improve their business acumen and to improve them as, as a team, the results are going to come. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get the results. And, you know, when, when people would leave my team, uh, I've had several come in my, to the office and literally crying because they're going on an interview. But they would tell me before they, they went mm-hmm. on the interview. Out of respect. And they would say, your KPA truly been around developing me and our team. Mm -hmm. And I applaud them for wanting to better their life. Yeah. To better the situation. I don't get offended because at that point I started to build a pipeline for others to come through. And that's how you build trust. That's how you build respect. Right. You're out there trying to build these people and get them prepared for something bigger than, than what they originally thought. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And, and as a leader, uh, you've heard the phrase, uh, it's, it's critical that you measure what matters. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to be an effective leader, mentally, I think you have to embrace the fact that everything that matters cannot be measured. That's right. You know, my son, I also do a couple of segments with my son, and he played basketball uh, at St. Vincent St. Mary's High School and uh, the last game. Uh, he decided he never wanted to play ball again. 
And it was the result of every morning we went to the gym to put up 300 shots. And the goal was to shoot 60%. Mm -hmm. The one day he shot 87%, I had to go to a meeting and I I wasn't there to to, to observe. And he sent me a picture of the machine, but he he had a frown on his face. Mm. And I called him to ask, son, is everything okay? And he says, dad, it just became evident to me that you never came to the gym with me to shoot shots. It was me and you, father and son, getting a chance to bond. Wow. Uh, and dad, at this point, dad, you know what? Basketball isn't what matters. Mm-hmm. It's the things I've learned while we were shooting basketball. Mm-hmm. And what I learned about me as a person. And, and, and at this point, dad, that's what mattered most. Yeah. And he said, dad, I, I, I may not remember all the games you came to. But dad, I'll never forget the two you missed. Mm-hmm. right because of your value propositions and often uh we we circumvent that's how people feel that work on our teams they want to know they're valued by us yeah you know it, and as a leader we do that and a simple hello or handshake um goes a long way yeah i mean you've got me just reflecting over and over again about those games i've missed and and even though I've been there at most of them, I have missed some as well. And, mm-hmm. um, and it is hard because now, now you have some leaders out there going, gosh, Billy, how do, how do, how do I make a hundred percent of those? Because we, we, we have to go to other things. We have competing interests. How, how do you spend more of your time out there building credibility and trust with your team? Yes. And, and, you know, those, and, and, and the, the, the recognition events often, People feel oh, we give you a paycheck. That's enough. Yeah, it's not. It, it's the acknowledgement is just as important as the paycheck. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 so as a leader, uh, it's important that you make some of the team huddles. It's important that they see you out there uh, in their work environments. Mm-hmm. And 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 in our daily management system on the back shift, I know. I was working with a client and uh, one of the um, the things or what's a prerequisite, everyone I, I work with, I, I have to meet with your team face to face, 100 percent. And and why I want to. It's all about value and letting them know that their value Well, to 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 get to the point. Uh, I actually if it was third shift, I came in on third shift to do the training. Mm-hmm. If it was second shift, I came in on second shift. And the feedback from the associates were it was one of embracing. You're coming to our shift. You're not bringing us today's shift. I'm like, no, we're going to meet you where you are. Mm-hmm. This is your work environment. I respect mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I respect that. And if you respect that, then they'll respect you and what you're trying to to bring forward, and they'll see the benefit. Uh, when I build daily management boards. Actually, we build those with the team, mm-hmm. not give those to the team. Mm-hmm. And I think when you with that approach, um, the buy-in is, is phenomenal. Yeah, man, Billy, I'm I'm smiling again today. And every time I think about these conversations, I, um, you know, it is such an it's leadership is a human art. You know, it's an art form, and it, I think too many people by nature of the title or because of legacies of experience or, you know, decades of experience have kind of taken it for granted that it really is an art of human to human connection and a way of valuing, inspiring, leading in a way that people feel like what they do matters. 
Yes. And, and, and you know, I, I just think when you were mentioning uh, Jacob Raymer yourself and, and myself, mm-hmm. uh, how we were so connected, right? And, and the more humility, we would call each other all the time and bounce things off of each other, visit each other, right? Mm-hmm. You came to my plant mm-hmm. and right, walk around and, and talk to the people. That was real benchmarking. Mm-hmm. That was real us sharing best practices. That was us going around, going back and forth with each other uh, versus I'm in the airport. I read a book and here's what I think's best. Yeah. We were right there closest to the source, talking to the people, the key drivers of an organization. Yeah, we were. And, 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 and I think, um, you know, the lessons we learn uh, from each other are priceless. I, I agree. You can't go buy any book that will give you that practical experience around transforming companies and, and coaching leaders, uh, right? Because everyone's a leader. I want my operator to think like a CEO or they're running a company. That machine is a company mm-hmm. and you own it. And, and so how did your company do at the end of the day? And if they ran well, I have to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and if they're not running well, I'm going to embrace that. Yeah. And we're going to get to the root cause and then do some scientific thinking. What, what do you tell your leaders? Because, yes, they every every operator out there is a CEO of their part of the business. And, and that's what you were telling people when we visited, you know, years ago. Every mm-hmm. every part on this floor from here to here is is this person, this operator, they own this part of the floor. What can they do to improve it, make it better, and to be able to make it make it better for upstream and downstream? How do we create pride so that they're not passing on bad quality? You know, that they that the quality starts with them and that they want to make things better because they're here and there's pride in that. I think you start I, I start first with myself. I tell my leaders. I work for you. You don't work for me. Yeah. It's my job to eliminate constraints. Mm-hmm. If you're leading a team, I tell my leaders, you work for your people. They don't work for you. Mm-hmm. Now, it's your job to give them the things that they need uh, to achieve the results you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a difference between want and need. Okay. Yes, there is. After that, you know, I'd ask my first question, my lead question was, what is it you need from me to achieve what I'm asking you to do? Mm-hmm. Now, there was a governance model around that and sustainment model. That second question was a painful question. Once I've given you everything you need mm-hmm. is why do you accept that? Because often it shifts now to leadership courage because you have to have leadership courage. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't yell or curse at anyone on my team. Don't do it. Don't do it in meetings. Mm-hmm. All right. I have very transparent conversations and, and, and often uh, those meetings were 15 minutes or less. And my leader said they hated those meetings. <laughs> they hated those meetings because what it will come down to is what we accept. Uh, I think the example uh, is an old baseball coach, John, I think of John's last name and John would say, uh, a baseball played home plates 17 inches. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't care if you play little league baseball, high school baseball, or major league baseball. Mm-hmm. Home plate is 17 inches. Mm-hmm. How often does the umpire widen the plate 
if the pitcher can't get the ball across. Never. The standard is the standard. Mm -hmm. But often we want to uh, deviate from the standard uh, based on who's our best player, who's our not so effective player. Mm -hmm. Rather, the standard is a standard. And, and you hold the team to the standard. Now, someone asked me once, so Billy, what if it's a person that's not as talented as the rest? Mm -hmm. And you're telling me the standard is the standard. I said, well, if you play Little League Baseball, the pitcher's a little closer to the plate. Mm -hmm. Right? And so what are you doing now to get closer to help and enable your associates, your teammates? Mm -hmm. But the standard is the standard. And, and, and so once that standard is established and there's clarity around it and there's methods to, to get to the standards, the mm -hmm. KPAs, uh, the shaping of the culture, uh, right? That, that's when the organization owns uh, not only the strategy, they own the, the actions, they own the indicators, they own the business. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what you want because ownership trumps accountability. Accountability is a subset of ownership. Mm -hmm. And when, when you're leading organizations, that's to keep in mind, how do you get shared ownership? And at that point, now you start to manage the intersections of operations. How does safety uh, connect with your, your human resource processes? Mm -hmm. How does quality processes interact with your supply chain methods? So it's not just volume for volume sake. Mm -hmm. We're managing the intersections. And now you start to foster an environment of ownership. You know, I think, you know, I, I'm accountable for a rental car. But do I treat that rental car like I do my actual car? Mm -hmm. Am I that meticulous about things that go on in the rental car? Now, I'm not going to damage the rental car. Right. But there's another level of pride, value, and ownership that comes to my own vehicle versus that rental car. Yep. Yep. And so I'm accountable for one, and I own one. The ownership now takes another level. And now you start to, to change the culture. You start to change the environment. And thus, when you do that, environments now help shape your culture. If I walk into a living room and I see tainted carpet and clothes on someone's uh sofa and I walk in and I'm looking around, am I going to ask you, should I take my shoes off or not? Right. Probably not. And what, what dictated my actions, right? The environment. Mm -hmm. And now if I walk into your, your, your house and everything's pristine and the carpet's very clean, it's white. And I see a pair of shoes sitting off to the side. Max, mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to even ask you. Right. I'm going to take my shoes off because the environment dictated Right. And I feel good about it. And even if you say, oh, Billy, that's OK. No, Max, I'm taking them off because if, if this was my house, I would take them off, too. Yep. And I didn't have to say anything the environment did. And yep. so what environments are leaders creating? Yep. And, and, and is there, are those environments safe? Billy, I, I am feeling just so grateful for this conversation today, and it reminds me that we need to talk more often, my friend. That's number one. Number yes. two, you know, um, I would love to do another show with you where we could get into some deeper dives on some of this. 
And, um, but, but for today, because I mean, boy, you're talking about it. Are we making it a safe place? Have we created an environment where people want to elevate their actions? Do people feel Mm -hmm. like they're an owner at their job or do they feel like they treat it like a rental car? You know, are they just checking in and checking out without any, any care for improvement? Or if, if we have leaders, have we set the standard for everyone to want to care about this? Like we feel they should care about it. Yes. Absolutely. Hmm. And I think that's where your, your true operational excellence and lean take shape. Yeah. And it's beyond the tools. That's right. That's it exactly is beyond right. the tools. And, and often uh, people revert back to the comfort zone. And that's the, I have the tools, right? I have the technical right to change. Yep. And you have to shift toward that cultural right. And it's not just in operations. I was ahead of diversity and inclusion um, at Goodyear. And what we saw, we built a system exactly like we would to run an operating facility. Mm-hmm. And our employee resource groups transcended. They went from being viewed as social clubs to business partners and ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Their community action, I mean, improved 200 plus percent. Hmm. Their membership increased, their engagement level and ownership level increased. And it was based on the process for which ownership was present Hmm. and their value propositions or what was what what were more so the focus rather than uh, the indicator. Right. It was their actions and and how do we innovate and, and, and drive that ownership and engagement. And it was probably one of the highlights of my career hmm. to watch that growth, hmm. respecting the differences of people, mm-hmm. respecting the fact that people could be their authentic self mm-hmm. and bring their best self to work, which made those people want to contribute. Mm-hmm. They wanted mm-hmm. to give us the best in class ideas mm-hmm. because why? It was their enterprise. It was their company yeah. that respected them for being their authentic self. And that's what operational excellence is about. Uh, the cultural right is just as important as the technical right. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Billy, uh, man, multiple questions I'm actually thinking about, but I, I need to be respectful of our time today as well and, and of your time. Uh, but but let's do this again soon, shall we? Absolutely. I, it's been a, a joy uh, to speak with you and reconnect. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, one of the pivotal people in my, my career as I was coming up, uh, learning and continue to learn about operational excellence, you're one of those people that I valued and continue to value, uh, you and Jacob mm. uh, both. And so this is just a pleasure for me. Oh, Billy, I, the feeling's mutual, and I really appreciate that. You know, we've shared the stage before, and hopefully we're going to share yes. many stages in the future. And, and Absolutely. Uh, we're going to keep sharing this. We're going to keep sharing these messages of hope and, and ways to continuously help people to improve and to take the ownership you just spoke of so, so beautifully, actually, today. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful you'd be on this show. Is there any last piece of advice you'd give to listeners today who just want to get started, you know, getting a better purpose, creating better actions, you know, creating better ownership rather than just pushing, forcing, telling and yelling? No, I mean, the one thing is, is, is for me is I keep on the front of mind, I'm going to do it with you, not to you. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that, that's where ownership starts. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it with you, not to you. 
That's it. Billy Taylor, brother. I am so glad you're on the show today. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Max. It's been an honor. Thank you.